Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Clay at Our Core, the Pottery Podcast, coming to you tonight from beautiful Walnut Hills, Cincinnati, Ohio. Stay tuned. You're going to hear a wonderful storytelling event that we had called Clay Stories at the Brew House in Walnut Hills. Take a listen. All right, good evening, everyone. Good evening. My name is Ann Saker, and I want to welcome you tonight to our storytelling event that's called Clay Stories. Thank you, Laura. And this is a storytelling event that helps to illustrate how people come to clay. And we wanted to do this as a nice kickoff for the annual conference of the National Council for Education in Ceramic Arts because what I find so powerful about clay is that, yeah, there are some of us who come to it with the fine arts degree and the great education. And then there are some of us, I'll raise my hand here, who come to clay because we just sort of feel drawn to it and our lives become better when we put our hands in clay and we discover we can't stop. And that's part of what we're talking about tonight. I am uh, very happy to tell you that uh, Laura Davis, who owns the Core Clay, is also owner here of the Brew House, and she opened up our space tonight so that we could have this wonderful experience. Laura and I were talking. Yes, round of applause for Laura, please. So Laura and I were talking earlier today about how many cities in the United States call themselves the Queen City because we call ourselves the Queen City and we're very proud of it. And so does Charlotte, North Carolina, and Fargo, North Dakota, and Anchorage, Alaska, and Selma, Alabama, and Eugene, Oregon, and Bangor, Maine. But none of them had a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that ends, and this greeting of mine, the song of the vine, the winds and the birds shall deliver to the Queen of the West in her garlands dressed on the banks of the beautiful river. So in that spirit, I welcome you tonight to Clay Stories. Thank you. Uh, we, as is very typical for events such as this, you plan and plan and plan and you work really hard to assemble everything and then the day of the event, something happens. And the something we happened, of course, is this thing that's going around that's laying people low. And our first storyteller, Dana Maxstaller, called me at 10 o'clock today and said, oh, man, I'm not doing well. And I said, OK, you can rally, power through. And she called me at 1 o'clock and said, I am not powering through tonight. So we send love and healing to Dana. And we're so sorry about that. However, in the grand tradition of Broadway, the understudy shall step into the spotlight. Tonight, our first storyteller is going to be Hannah Staber, and she's going to talk about being a stranger in a strange land. Can we give a big round of applause for our lovely Hannah? All right, I'm going to test, test. 
Okay, hi everyone. I agreed to this half an hour ago. <laughs> and I am a bit nervous. I wrote notes, but I feel like they're gonna distract me even more. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, um, I am less gonna talk about how I got into clay, because that spans far back, back to almost elementary school, technically. Um, I'm gonna talk about how I got to Cincinnati. Um, and I can't talk about my entire experience here because there's lots to talk about, but I'm gonna talk about kind of the first half today. Um, kind of in a, it gives, it gives a good back, arc. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I am originally from Europe, Austria. I was doing my um, BA in ceramics in the UK uh, in 2020 when the pandemic hit. And um, so I moved back home in March. And hello. Oh, Mason. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, I moved back home in March in 2020, um, back home to Vienna, uh, and I couldn't finish my full degree. No um, solo exhibition. I had just started making bigger work to finish my thesis or start my thesis. I had all these ideas in my head, and that kind of got cut short. Um, I was back home. I was working at a studio at home, um, and I was really enjoying it, and so the pandemic levels went up and we all stayed at home. And then in Austria, they went way back down and I started to work at a studio in Vienna. Um, I was kind of getting stuff started, but I was looking into like, what was I gonna do next? I had before the pandemic started planned on moving to the US. I was looking into residencies already, um, but um, the idea of the pandemic was so new, nobody really knew what was going on. Everybody thought it was gonna kind of end after a few months, maybe something like that. So in Austria, the curve went up and then it went all the way back down um, in summer. So my idea was to just apply to residencies and move across the country and it was gonna be fine. <laughs> um, so I did that, I was applying to things. Um, people in Austria were taking their masks off. The cases were down to like four people a day in the whole country. Um, I remember right before I moved to Cincinnati, I was in a bar like without masks with my friends and everything was back to normal. Um, so I applied to a bunch of residencies. I got into core clay at, in Cincinnati. I was like, yeah, I wanna come here. I wanna experience something new. I wanna live in the US. Um, and I, was, I remember walking through Vienna in um, the summer, everything was sunny. There were these amazing buildings around and I was walking with my friend and um, I said, it's crazy that I'm leaving to move to Ohio from here, but I just, <laughs> I just want to experience something new and I want to be uncomfortable and I just, I just want to do it. Like, it's fine. Um, so I did that and I came to Cincinnati and COVID was very different when I was there. And turns out it just started getting worse, <laughs> kind of. Um, so basically my experience at the beginning was I only saw everybody with masks on the entire time and I was really welcomed by everyone wonderfully. Um, but it also became kind of isolating in the beginning. Um, and there was a few things, there were a few things that kept me going. Um, first of all, when I came, some of the impressions in Cincinnati were that everything was bigger. <laughs> so I had my own apartment, um, the fridge was huge. Um, <laughs> The first time I met Laura's dog, 
Huge. Huge. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, yeah, some of the things that kept me going through, you know, being in a new environment, um, kind of, you know, dealing with anxiety and things like that. I remember kind of in the first month I was here, um, that's one of the things that made me feel so welcome was I was invited to Sarah Leah, um, if any of you know her, um, her dog's birthday party. <laughs> um, and I was kind of nervous of going, like I hadn't heard from anyone, I just heard about it like the day before, I didn't know if I was allowed to join or something, and then I remember Emily texted me and was like, yeah, just come over, and I went over to the gate, and Oliver, with his party hat on, came and greeted me. Oliver's a dog, <laughs> he's wearing a party hat. <laughs> um, and I remember that, I was like, everything's okay, everything's okay. Um, yeah, these kinds of things, the Core Clay family kept me going. Um, but yeah, um, it started getting colder, pandemic started getting worse. Uh, I was planning on visiting my relatives, but I couldn't because traveling was too dangerous, basically. Um, yeah, it started getting colder, but the great thing about core clay was that I had like endless possibilities in clay, and I was able to keep doing my my pottery um, pottery thing throughout all of this. And after college, I had I still had these amazing resources thanks to being at core clay. Um, so something that kept me going was making my work, uh, glazing it, and then getting it out of the kiln. I think everybody who does pottery knows that feeling of of getting something of coming to your shelf and seeing, oh, there's something new that came out of the kiln. So that's something that kept me going. Um, yeah, and that's that's not something you get in every job um, or hobby. I mean, you get hobbies in the same way as that, but this was tied to my job. Like, there was always something new happening. Um, so that kept me going during the dark, winter, cold COVID days. Um, but yeah, so the, it turned to be 2021, started getting slightly warmer, and I was invited to um, do my first market, which was the spring pottery show. Um, yeah, and I had never done a market before, and kind of in the same sense as moving to Cincinnati, I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. Sure, I don't really know what this entails, but I'll do it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Which is weird because I am a very anxious person, but um, somehow I just say yes to a lot of things. And I think that has definitely only benefited me um, throughout my life, um, saying yes to things, although they're kind of scary. Um, anyway, but if you don't know what it entails, then it's not that intimidating because you don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I said yes to the Spring Pottery Fair. Um, and I didn't know, do we get like a booth provided or do we have to do it ourselves or um, what's the space? And I couldn't really put it in my head. So I just made work and I just kept making work. And luckily, thanks to Cork Clay and my space and everything, I was able to make a ton of work. Um, and I remember on the day of setup, it was 7 a.m. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know how tent works. Um, I was setting it up and everything. And I was like, I have so much work. I don't know where to put it. I haven't priced it yet. Um, and then the time for setup just went like this. And I kind of set up my, um, I set up my table kind of sideways to the crowd because I was very confused, but it still worked. Um, and I was still pricing and the time went like this and people started coming in and 
Um, and then I remember basically from the time it started, which was, was it 10, 10. to five? Yeah. 10 to five, I was just busy the entire time because so many people started coming and yeah. it, <laughs> it was like the first market since the pandemic, people were ready to buy things, people were ready to see things. And I was excited to go around booths. I barely had time for it because I had so many customers. Um, and just seeing people's faces light up, looking at my work was really invigorating um, and exciting. And I, we all still had masks on, but it was outside, sun was shining. Um, and yeah, I was really, really happy. Everybody liked my work. I was selling a lot. It felt like um, really rewarding from everything, from going through dark like winter um, with very little interaction with people to just something where I was just bustling, almost had a line in front of me. Um, yeah, and I, I like looked at my Square account on my iPad and I saw like the numbers going through and I just couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> it just, yeah, it was really successful. And um, I got sunburn. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I remember driving home in the car with Sam, we were just blasting music. I was looking out, out of the window and the window was down, the wind was going through my hair and it, it felt like the worst was over and only better things were to come. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was my story. Thank you, Hannah. Isn't it wonderful to hear young people talk about their journey, you know, when they find their way and they see things change and all of a sudden the world isn't so frightening after all. It's actually pretty great and you can have an impact on the world in a way that you could never have imagined. So Hannah is back with us this week for Ensika and we just are so thrilled to have her home with us. So another round of applause please for Hannah. Uh, now for a moment, uh, for your light entertainment here, I'm going to ask our Coke pastor, Laura Davis, to say a few words to you. I just want to go on record that it's not a cult. Well, there have been moments in time when it has seemed like a cult, and um, George Rodriguez, uh, I asked him what's different about our studio from other studios, and uh, he said, well, you're more culty than others. <laughs> and I was like, George, don't you have somewhere to go? Whatever, it's fine. Only the best things in life get compared to cults. Thank you. Um, although I have been listening to a podcast called uh, Is It a Cult? And um, also other things get compared to it. But in that vein, uh, I just want to say that I sat here listening to both of you talking, and I realized we're like a reverse 12-step uh, program. We're like, let me tell you. Let me tell you about the addiction. No, I'm just gonna lean into it. I'm just gonna like, I'm gonna tell you about that time I got high selling pots at the at the market, right. and I'm gonna tell you you should go back out there and do it again, because that is pottery. And um, as with any uh, healthy 12-step program, uh, person will tell you that you can change an addiction by getting a new addiction. I my coming to clay moment was. Uh, I was a smoker and I was trying to quit smoking and um, the thing that really got me 
to be unable to smoke at the same time that I was happy because I could like not smoke and I could be happy, but those were not things that happened at the same time. Uh, the only thing was clay because I couldn't have wet hands. Like you can't, there are people who smoke with clay hands, but I don't understand it. Like <laughs> it was the only thing that made a cigarette not appealing. So um, I did the healthy 12 step thing, substitute a new addiction for an old addiction, pottery. So that's my coming to clay story. Um, also, I just want to take a moment for everyone to see, look at that, look at how the sun hits that building. <laughs> and this is why I love Walnut Hills. And this is why we built this window. And I love the neighborhood. And I love Tina for being here. Yay. And I just want to say thank you for opening late for us tonight. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I abandoned Tina, uh, not on purpose, because I love you, Tina. I love you so much. Um, but thank you very much for opening for us, and thanks everybody for coming in. All right. All right. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much, Laura. That's terrific. So um, I lived in the yellow house on Cross Lane over here in 2017 when I realized when I walked up the street that I was near a pottery studio. Oh my gosh, I could walk to the pottery studio. So that's what I did. And that's how I fell in love with it. And this came happily at the, knitted in nicely with the end of my journalism career after 40 years. And I've noticed that there's a lot of, if not parallel, certainly connection between the writing art and the clay art. And this is what I love reinforcing as I go to the studio every day because what I learn on the wheel I also can put at the keyboard. And that's one of the things that I love about it. And the other thing I love about it is when I was in journalism, there were the kids who came to it like straight out of J school and they were on fire and they were going to go to, you know, do marvelous things. But the people I liked were the ones who came to journalism kind of by the side door. There was a guy I knew when I worked at the Raleigh News and Observer who had spent the first five years of his working life installing car upholstery. And then at one point he decided he didn't want to do that anymore. So he went to the University of Missouri and got a journalism degree. And now he's a Pulitzer Prize winning editor at the, New York, at the New York Times. So there are people who go that way. And I think those are the most interesting folks of all. And that's why I'm going to invite now our friend Noah Desh to the microphone to tell his story about how he came to play. Yeah, I think that's good. All right, thank you. Take so, my name is Noah, and uh, I like to formulate glazes. Wow, this really does feel like a 12-step program, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, this neat thing I made recently is um, this glow-in-the-dark glaze. Ooh, ah. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh ah. It, uh, it uses strontium aluminate and a few frits, and it fires to cone O10. Um, for those of you non-potters, that's uh, not very hot, um, because the, uh, the glow effect burns out at higher temperatures. Um, oh, and it's flammable, which is a fun thing you don't usually need to deal with in pottery. Uh, but this is only a step along the way to my final goal, which is to get this effect called electroluminescence. And that's where a material will emit light 
when placed in a high voltage electric field. It's kind of the same effect that uh, made old television screens work, if you remember what those look like. Um, but uh, yeah, so with electroluminescence, um, the idea is that you could like plug in a pot instead of you know charging it up with sunlight like this or something. You could just plug it in and it would illuminate. Um, without being radioactive. Without being radioactive, which is okay. how they used to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the, a better way to do that maybe. Um, but uh, you're probably wondering why I'm up here talking about like voltages and electric fields and whatnot. Um, you may even have thought, wow, this guy doesn't look like a potter. And uh, you're right. Uh, my background is actually in electrical engineering. Um, also, I'm like pretty introverted. And so you might think that, you know, being in a studio full of people would be difficult for me. But, um, you know, looking back, uh, becoming a potter was almost inevitable. I grew up in Maryland. And uh, my dad was a scientist at NASA, which is, hey, my dad's right there actually, say hi. Yay. So he, w he was a scientist at NASA, which is um, where my technical background comes from. But he also collected, of all things, Rookwood pottery, like Rookwood from down the street. And he had like this whole shelf at home of like little vases and pictures and things. Um, he really liked the old style glazes. They're probably full of toxic, you know, things that we don't use much anymore. Um, and my mom, she's she's right there. Say hi, mom. <laughs> mom was a uh, um, a art history major, and so from that, I actually got a lot of exposure to fine art as a child, even if I didn't really appreciate it at the time. <laughs> so. I kind of, uh, I went to school for electrical engineering, I got a job in the field, and I didn't really think about art for like 20 years. <clears throat> my, my start in pottery actually happened uh, similar to <laughs> in uh, early 2020. Um, uh, so what happened is a, a friend of ours had a coupon for um, like half off a beginner's wheel throwing class at this local studio called Core Clay. And so my wife Rebecca and our friend and me, we go, we go to this class and um, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I'd never touched clay before in my life, um, except, you know, Play-Doh or whatever. And uh, I'm terrible at it, like really, really bad. Um, and you're supposed to like come in to practice in between classes or something and that wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> So uh, I stayed bad at it until the very last day when I was finally able to like center a piece of clay and throw this little vase and wow, it was electrifying. I was totally hooked. Uh, well, except for like the next six months when the studio was shut down for COVID. <laughs> that was kind of a bummer. Uh, but anyway, now um, Rebecca and I rent studio space at Core Clay. Um, a community studio is actually like kind of a nice place for an introvert uh, because it lets me experience this thing called parallel play 
where I can like feel connected to people through like a common task or goal without a lot of direct interaction. Um, and if if someone does strike up a conversation, I kind of know what the topic's going to be about. <laughs> um, and it really just kind of completes a circuit for me back to my childhood and this whole, uh, you know, side of myself that's been, you know, uh, dormant for years. Oh, and, and uh, Rebecca also works for a calcium carbonate company, so that's another random pottery connection in my life. But anyway, back to the electroluminescence project. The idea to get the electroluminescence is to take this glow glaze um, and sandwich it between two layers of electrically conductive glaze, uh, and then apply a high voltage to the conductive layers, which will put the glow glaze into a strong electric field. Um, and that should cause it to illuminate. I haven't actually gotten this to work yet. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, uh, my studio friends like the glow glaze. It's fun and flammable and, and electrifying someday, maybe. And, <laughs> and uh, it, it really kind of lets me bring everything I am into my work, into my pottery, uh, completing the circuit. Thank you. Well done, Noah. Thank you. You know, these are these are the beautiful things about a pottery studio that things. Oh, the glow in the pot. Oh, yes, we're gonna pass the glow in the pot, glow in the dark pot around. So this is uh, this is why we come to pottery because we meet people from every conceivable walk of life. It's just a, an amazing feeling. So I want to quickly remind you of the shows that we have going on at Core Clay this week. I mean, there's lots to take in uh, during Enseca, but we have been killing it the last few months to get our building prepared to welcome all of you. I guess it's killing it. Yeah, I did. Sorry about that. Uh, so we have the Project M show of the Color Network in our garage. We have the in the Mason Gallery, the solo exhibition of Chris Alvishire's beautiful cone 10, uh, super colorful porcelain. Uh, to, I've, I, to me, it has struck me, it looks like a preschool where the kids have all gone out to play and they left all their toys scattered all over the place. It's just, it's delightful, just a feast for the eyes. Uh, then we also have the Core Connection Show, which Laura and Hannah and Noah and some of and Jane and some of our other uh, members have put together. It's really a show dedicated for the folks who really gave Core Clay its blood and its bone and grew it up. And that's why we wanted to show all the change that has happened in our studio in that one place. Hannah's work is there. As I said, uh, Jane and uh, Laura's work is there. And then finally, on the second floor, we have the show called Undercurrents, which Nina Caporal, who is also here, has led the, led the effort. Please, a big round of applause for Nina, because that was no small thing. But I mean to tell you, if you need trains running on time, that is the woman you need in the station, because she makes it work. Let me tell you, impressive as can be. Uh, one other note, um, the Windows of Enseca exhibit, which was put together by our very own Mar uh, Amy Pellegrino, 
uh, is all mainly in Over the Rhine, but also in lots of other places. It's marked down in your uh, current uh, brochure, and it tells you where you are. It's wonderful, and I had lunch with Amy last week at uh, Goose and Elder, where our Darren Simmons has his beautiful wares, and uh, the restaurant staff told Amy that they are fighting over which pieces they're all going to buy. So he's going to make it. Sorry, he's going to do great over there. So we're really happy about that, and it's really so exciting to see uh, the uh, ceramic art just grow up in this city like this. Uh, the other thing I want to note to you, because I am an uh, amateur astronomer, we have an International Space Station passage over tonight. Tonight at 9:21, if you face southwest, which will be that way, at 9:21 on the 15th at 8:34, facing south, which is that way, uh, March 16th at 922 facing northwest, which is that way, and then on the 17th, the best one is at 8.34 p.m. moving southwest to the zenith and northeast. So you can just stand there and watch it move overhead. So if you can get out and the sky is clear, you will see it, and it is really something to take in because it is a man-made, human-made object moving like a comet in our sky. It's really breathtaking. So tonight, at last, we are coming to our third storyteller, who is relatively new to pottery among the most of us, but I think it's safe to say she has embraced it with all her heart and soul. She hooked. She hooked big. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up, please, for Carla Thomas. That's all right. So I'm just going to show you guys. This is my birth worker's first hand-built thing. So can you hold that? Yes. Up? Yes. So she wanted me to bring something, so I did. Okay. So be patient with me, all right? So um, I've always been artistic. I draw, I sing poetry. I'm, I'm published. Uh, and I got into clay about a year ago. But medically speaking, I should not be here uh, I came to tell you how clay saved my life. So I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana, 60 years ago, and I took the scenic route to Cincinnati, where in my formative years, I lived in Los Angeles and was absolutely sure that I would be a star and wear a feather boa to the grocery store, uh, to Dallas, where I lived a practical life and got a computer science degree, got married, raised two children, got divorced, came here, and, um, ended up uh, in finance near the end. And I was thinking, you know, this is the autumn of my life. I don't want to count other people's millions forever. So I trained to be a doula, and I am expert in helping uh, women and families in pregnancy and childbirth and uh, in all of its messiness. And I love it, and I'm very, very lucky in that. And what happened was two things. One, my marriage started to fail. And two, March of 2018, I got really, really sick. And uh, it's complicated, but while I did not die, my liver did. So we you know, ran tests and tests and tests and tests. And, and on November 14th of 2018, I was told that I have stage four uh, non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver, right? So, I'm in here, 
I'm in here and, and I'm talking to the, to the doctor and, and uh, my husband is right here and we're listening. And I'm like, but, but the liver regenerates, right? It regenerates, right? And they go, no, Miss Thomas, not yours. It's too far gone. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? What can I do? And she says, get your affairs in order. Make up your mind that you're gonna live, okay? Find peace, monitor your emotions, and remove all toxins from your life. So I'm shook, right? I'm like this, and I'm looking at my husband, and I'm glancing, and he's looking. We both are shook. And I knew that that joker's days in my life was numbered. He was out of here, man. I meant that. It was over for him. If he had looked at me at that moment, he would have seen that his time, because it was like all up in here. I was like this, right? So my objective is to find my peace, right? So uh, cirrhosis. Cirrhosis is really, really nasty. The liver is your filter, and if it's not working, uh, ammonia backs up in your brain and it looks like dementia. And even before then, you know, what used to be clear is confusion. Uh, and I went from having a personal trainer working out three to five times a week to, to uh, my two pound weight. And I might not even be able to do that on a given day. There's nausea and nastiness and transplants and we don't even wanna talk about that because that's not the point today. So anyway, I was bedridden. I was bedridden right for, I'm nervous, I was bedridden for uh, about 10 months. And when I wasn't sleeping, I was scrolling. And first I bought my two pound weights, then I bought this feather boa, because you know, who needs a good reason to have a feather boa? And I've always wanted a feather boa, and now's the time to do the things that I've always wanted to do. So I was told by him, him, he who shall not be named, that I needed to swallow my pride and get in that wheelchair. And I will not, I will not. Kroger was my workout, the basket was my walker, and with some strategic planning and a lot of sweating and crying and in public, I, I'm here, I'm here with you. And uh, there's some things that I, that I had to work on, like. Like I had to learn how to walk and shower and clean my space and cook and things that we take for granted every day. And uh, to compensate for what I've lost physically and mentally, I take notes. I ask for help. I accept help when it's given to me, which it often is given to me at Court Clay. Uh, and I still fall down, but I get back up, you know? So you guys, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not. My soul is in order. What I am afraid to do is suffer. So I had to figure out what I needed to do to navigate my new existence. In other words, what causes pain, what, what it makes pain better, okay? I had to figure out, uh, I found out that eating a lot of meat made it worse, so I got a whole lot of pescatarian and vegetarian meals, you know, not vegan because a lot of that is processed. So I did that, and because I'm from Louisiana, you gotta have flavor in your life in Louisiana, you know? It's more, the food is more than sustenance, you know? I'm so happy, let's eat. I'm so sad, let's eat. Oh baby, I'm so sorry, let's eat. I had to fix that. And then I also did, uh, and I still do a lot of studying of uh, holistic remedies, because I, I can't do anything over the counter. Okay, so I have to do, I make my own salves and oils and teas, and, and it's, it was a tough couple of years. 
And uh, I was told by all but that first doctor who said, make up your mind that you want to live, that um, you know I was going to be out of here in two to three years and that I would never get better. But I'm here. I'm here. And I am better. And uh, um, I told them, I said, I said, I'm going to be the one. Pardon the Texan in there, but I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one who's, who you're going to say, Miss Carla, we can't explain it, but you're healed. And they just, they would just like, you know, you don't want to shoot somebody down. They just go, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. They can, they can, they can, they can do what they got to do, and I got to do what I got to do. So it took me 18 months, 18 months, medically, physically, and financially, to escape the toxin that was my marriage. Okay. So I rented an apartment six full months before it was time for me to leave, and I had to prepare for my new existence. I had to navigate to learn how to do things by myself again. Uh, so I bought all new stuff, and I bought this feather boa, and I bought an acoustic guitar. Do I play? No. Okay, I bought a brand spanking new pottery wheel. Do I throw? Not really, I don't. But now's the time, Carla, to do what you've always wanted to do, okay? So I left him, and I had help from some wonderful women wonderful women who had my back and I moved out. So one day I was riding down close to my spot looking at everything and I saw this place called Art on Fire and I said oh I like art and I'm on fire. So I whipped in there and I had this whole potty wheel that I didn't know how to use so I asked for some classes and she said oh no what you need what you need is core clay and she didn't know how true that was. My life has changed so Last April, I signed up for my first class, throwing class, and it felt so good, and I made some ugly pottery. It was so <laughs> ugly, and, and I still am not good at it, but I love it, and I stayed, and uh, um, that's my workout. That's going to be my workout for 2023, um, the wheel, because it takes a lot of muscle control, so I'm not going to give up. But I surprised myself, though, with the hand building. I'm really, really good at it. I have a knack for it. Laura gave me a, 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 a scholarship for, um, for a workshop with George Rodriguez, and it was amazing. So here I am, four years, four years out from my diagnosis, and uh, quarterly I have a whole like, slew of tests. And this past January, they ran all these tests, and when the numbers came in, I was like, oh, this can't be right. They were so good. They were so good, I called my doctor and I said, Dr. Kern, I need a redo. I, I, I can't do the happy dance because you got to give grace for human error, you know. And I didn't want to be all excited about it and then found out that it was a mistake. I said, we need to, we need to do this over. And she said, okay. Because I was like, look, everything that we've been through, well, I've been, we've been through the pandemic, divorce, relocation. I had COVID. I got COVID when everybody else got COVID uh, and I lived. And, and, and money and, and physicality. I said, no, I need a redo because this can't be right. So they did the redo. And y'all, my numbers are so good. It was not a mistake. It was not a mistake. And my doctor, Dr. Kern said, well now, Carla, you can't do the happy dance. You are not recovered. Her words verbatim, Carla, you cannot do the happy dance. You are not recovered. You are very, very sick. 
you have been meeting your objective. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Y'all, the only thing I've been doing, I mean, you heard me rattle off the list of wrong stuff. I've been putting my hands in the mud every chance I can get. And that's the truth. They're sick of seeing me at Court Clay. Okay? I'm there all the time, all the time. The, all, it has to be the clay. It has to be the clay. And I can dance if I want to. I can dance if I want to for a way of life that is literally changing my life and saving my life. No, you can read that all day long as far as I'm concerned. So, proof positive that clay will save your life. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a believer now, so I, I think that's an amazing thing. I wonder if I could ask you to give one more big round of applause for our storytellers, Hannah Staber, Noah Desch, and Carla Thomas, and Dana Maxteller, who we love dearly. We're so sorry that she's not with us tonight. Can I tell Dana's story really fast? Dana's a badass. That's why she does play. Dana is a badass. Thank you very much for pointing that out. I want to say thank you again to Tina and the beautiful brew house folks for, who are for uh, opening up for us tonight. My name is Ann Saker. I love you all. Have a great week at Ensika. We'll see you again. Thank you so much. Wasn't that terrific? What a wonderful way to kick off Ensika. Today is Wednesday, March 15th, the Ides of March, but you need not beware because the conference officially begins today, centered at the Duke Energy Convention Center. But be sure to get yourself out to Core Clay in peace-loving Norwood, Ohio. We are waiting for you with four magnificent shows, and we can't see you, can't wait to see you and your smiling clay. Have a great day, and may the kiln gods smile upon you.